0: Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Great. Well, you're looking good and it's really good to have you here this morning. Thank you, David. David. <laughs> uh, thank you, praise and worship team. Great job. Uh, and thank you for joining us in worship. I'd like to release the warrior youth at this time to go on back. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, Lord God, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. God, that you would open our hearts to receive, that you would verbalize and that you would be able to uh, pour through me in a powerful way to speak this message, your heart, your burden, what you want to deliver this morning. This is such an important message for us to have solidified in us and so father i pray this morning that we would be open and ready to receive that we would be expectant in what you're going to do this morning and we ask all these things in the all-powerful and the almighty name of jesus amen. Amen. amen amen thank you again so much for joining us i see sean's in the house the son of the house good to see you son thanks for joining us today this um series is called a new season and God is doing something fresh and new. And it's amazing to me that some of you are coming to me and you're saying, man, how, how do you hear the Holy Spirit? How do you know if that's the Lord speaking? How do you know those kinds of things? And then we're seeing answers to prayer. We're seeing, uh, I'm seeing you, some of you come back and say, guess what happened? The Lord spoke to me and I know it was the Lord and it was confirmed through whatever and that's so exciting but God is doing a new thing because as we've been talking about God is preparing us for something huge and so hearing his small still voice and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit is a vital a key part of that this message this morning is titled the passion of Christ and I'm not necessarily talking about the movie that we show every good Friday and then we have communion after but I'm talking about the heart of Christ what is the heart of God and uh, last week, uh, we talked a little bit about our trip and the doors that the Lord is opening up for Life Fellowship Ministries International. And, and uh, part of that consists of going to other nations and training up pastors and leaders. And this morning, I want to share a message with you that is the primary message that we have to offer, that really is the heart of everything that we do here at Life Fellowship from week to week. And, and the message that we're not only sharing here with, this, with our family and the people in our community, but this is the message that we will be sharing abroad. And so if or when you're asked to train others, this is the primary message of what we want to share locally and globally. We're teaching others about Jesus, who he is, and who we are in him. My first point this morning is God is doing a new thing. And when God called us to Pioneer Life Fellowship Ministries International, he told me I'm doing a new thing. And as I shared, honestly, uh, last week, I'm not sure how all that looks. I'm not sure how all of that shakes out and what that looks like, but it's okay. You know, God doesn't always tell, give the whole picture. He told Abraham, go to the land in which I will show you. And we, we can't. Uh, Well, many times the Lord isn't going to show us more until we're faithful and obedient in what he's already asked us to do. So he's not necessarily going to give us the whole picture until we begin to step out and then those things begin to unfold. And I believe one aspect of this new thing will consist of training others across the globe. And one reason I believe this is because this was part of what the Lord shared with me six and a half years ago when he called us to Pioneer Life Fellowship. And I'm so excited because we're seeing the fruition of that coming forth. And so it's so encouraging to, to have a word from the Lord and then uh, wait on that, the timing and wait for the Lord to open the doors. That's why I encourage you to journal. When the Lord is speaking to you, journal, write those things down, because sometimes it doesn't happen right then. And you can go back and you can be encouraged. I'm like, God, you're telling us we're going to reach the nations. I remember when you gave me this word. I remember jotting this down, and I'm going to read this. I'm going to encourage myself in that. And then when you begin to see it happen, it's just a testimony that you have to share of how God has done whatever he's been declaring to you. And so speaking of declarations, we declared... Long before the Lord began to open these doors, that this is what the, door, the, the Lord was going to do for us. And so now we're seeing it. And I want to look at a key scripture that we've already talked about in this series. It's a, a scripture that the Lord gave me 25 years ago, and it's in Isaiah 43:18 and 19. I think I've talked about it every week this through this series. And the background on that is that the Lord is saying, hey, I've done all these things for you, but I'm doing something new. Don't do well, let me say it this way. Sometimes we get hung up on stuff from the past, right? We get trapped. There's a song by KJ 5-2, I think, stuck in the 80s, you know? And uh, sometimes we get stuck in things. But the Lord is doing something new many times in our heart and in our life because this life is a dynamic process it's not stagnant and as we're growing and we're maturing in the Lord God begins to open up more doors or God is always doing something so in Isaiah forty three eighteen and 19 he says forget all that it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do for I'm about to do something new see I've already begun do you not see it Verse 19 continues, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And for a long time, I've been sensing, even though the Lord gave me this scripture probably 25 years ago, I keep sensing something building. It's like momentum building. It's like a snowball that keeps building. And building it, and for years I've been thinking we're crossing over into the threshold. I just sense it in my spirit. I feel it, and so we're getting to that place where it's about to explode. Where God is about to just do some amazing things on top of what He's already doing. We're seeing Him do things now. We're seeing people get healed. We're seeing God begin to work in our hearts, and and uh, and and people beginning to respond to the Holy Spirit. People beginning to recognize the Holy Spirit in their lives. People seeing answers to prayer. So we're seeing all these things. But but family, I believe that this is going to escalate. We're going to see more of it. And so I cannot emphasize enough. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to be praying. And as I challenged you last week, I said, I want to challenge you to pray and say, God, what is my part in this? What do you have for me? And let's begin to pray individually and corporately for the the awesome things that God is doing. He's doing something new. And I believe the time is now. And it's not a new gospel. You know, we're not teaching anything different. It's all about Christ. But it's being intentional in that. And as I shared last week... There's a lot of other gospels, you know, the prosperity message and seven ways to whatever. Listen, it's all about Christ. And that's what I want to share this morning, that Christ is the central man. He is the theme. He is what it's all about. And so that is the primary message that we teach here. That's the primary message that we will be taking to the nations because that's what people need to hear. Man, listen, you can have millions of dollars and that can run out, but Jesus never runs out. He's what we need. And so my first point this morning is God is doing a new thing. My second point is this means teaching Christ. Seven often represents uh, perfection or completeness. And I was thinking about this this week, and I was was like, okay, we just celebrated our sixth year um, on Resurrection Sunday this year. So we're moving into our seventh year. And so these six years, God has been preparing us. And even before we hit the first day of our, our seventh year, uh, God has been preparing. We, we've launched the video ministry. There's so many things that are coming into place now. And so we're, we're into our seventh year of conception. And I believe has, uh, that God has graciously given us time to pre- prepare for this huge vision that, that he has for us. And these foundational truths that we're teaching... And that we'll continue to teach are simply found in Christ, period. That's what it's all about. Christ is the primary message that we bring to this church, to this community. And it's the primary message that we will bring to the world. The Lord has given us Christ. Christ is supreme. He is overall. I want to look at James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. And he writes, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. God is a gracious, loving father, and he wants what's best for us. Maybe you didn't have a good earthly father. Maybe you didn't have a good role model. And there are some people that struggle with a heavenly father because their earthly father was so terrible. Or maybe they didn't even know who he was. Maybe they didn't have any kind of relationship with him. They may not have had any contact with their earthly father. But let me tell you, if that's you... Please don't use that as a standard for our Heavenly Father. He is good. Everything that's good comes down to him, to us. And, well, let me, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm getting excited here. God, our Father, is good. Let's read this first part of 17 again. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens, he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. And so the word says that creation testifies of God. Have you ever gone out at night and just looked at the moon and the stars? And have you, And I know some of you like to fish and, and, and windsurf and things like that. And you go out and you're like, gosh, this is so beautiful. What God has created is wonderful. And many times we read over these promises and truths that we find in the Bible that are life changing for us. And we just kind of gloss over them. But they're important for us to understand for our very life. God is a constant. He does not change. And he certainly doesn't hide his desire for a personal relationship with us. That's his greatest desire. How many of you remember our mission statement at Life Fellowship? It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's his heart is that we all come into that personal relationship with him. So as we train others, we need to understand and teach that pastors and teachers and ministry leaders have been, have been entrusted with God's prized possession, the thing that he values most, which are his people. So let's continue to read on in James 1.18. I know you know this one. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became what? His prized possession. And so as we're leading others, as we're teaching others, we have to understand that the people that we're leading are God's prized possession. They're of great value to him. Let's look at this James one eighteen in the New American Standard Bible. It says this a little bit differently, <clears throat> but I like this. I, I like it all. It's all good. In in the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among His creatures. Okay, let's look at the first part of this verse. In this exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth. So we've been brought forth by the word of truth. Who is truth? Well, let's go to John chapter fourteen. In John fourteen, Jesus is talking to His disciples and telling them He must go and prepare. A place for them and Thomas says well where are you going how do we get there and so Jesus begins to talk to him and this is what he says in John 14 6 Jesus said to him I am the way and what and the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me so God has brought us forth by his word of truth Jesus okay uh, let's look at James 1:18. in this exercise of his will he brought us forth by the word of truth. This phrase for brought us forth means to beget, to bear us in childbirth. So we are brought forth. What, what, what happens when we come to Christ? We are what? Born again. Right? So we're, we are born again through Jesus. So James 1.18, again, in this exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. We are born again in Jesus. So that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. You notice that it doesn't say the second or third or fourth, but the first fruits. We are God's first fruits. Jesus was not created, rather, he is creator. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But the first fruit is the sweetest and best. You know, when you go to the grocery store and and a fruit comes out, maybe it's the oranges or maybe it's the peaches or whatever, it's usually that first crop. It's so sweet and so juicy and so good. And so when God looks down on us, He sees us as the first fruits. He sees us as His prized possessions, not as the leftovers, not as the rejects, how we may see others or we may see ourselves. Why? Well, you, <clears throat> you don't know the things that I've done. You know what? God sees us as His first fruits, and He loves us because the, the first fruit is the sweetest and best we are the sweetest and best turn to your neighbor and say you're the sweetest and best Tell him again. Tell him again. you're the sweetest and best jesus is the source of life jesus is the vine that produces the fruit and i was thinking back to a series that i did i can't even remember the name of the series but uh, and I don't remember the specific teaching other than I had cut off a tree limb. I'd trimmed some trees of my house. And I was talking about uh, being connected or being disconnected from the source of life. And that tree limb had laid out here for several weeks. And I was all fired up at the end of that series. And I was teaching and I said, and so basically, if, if we're not connected to the source of life, all the leaves die. And I slammed that limb down. And do you remember all those leaves just shot all over the place? It shocked me. It was amazing. But if we're not connected to the source of life, we're not getting our nutrition. We're not getting fed. We're not getting what we need. And so we have to stay connected to the source of life. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the vine that produces the fruit so when we have fruit in our life it's a result of being connected to him it's not oh mm, i'm making fruit here yeah yeah no it's through staying connected to the source of life and then the fruitfulness what's the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not because we've determined that we're going to produce the fruit. It's because we've stayed connected to the source of life. And so the fruit is going to be a natural outflow of our life because it it just happens. As we stay connected to him, there's fruitfulness in our lives. The fruit from our life is a result of being connected to the source, and the source is Jesus. All right. All right, James 1.18. In this exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. Okay, now, and I've talked about this before, but it's been a while. The Greek word used here for word is logos, which means a word spoken, something said. It also means the divine expression, Christ. So we're going to go to John chapter 1, and we see that same Greek word logos used in all these scriptures. In the beginning was the Word, Logos, and the Word, Logos, was with God, and the Word, Logos, was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who was in the beginning with God? The Word. Okay. All right. Let's read on. Verse 3. All things came into being by him, who, the Word, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In other words, he, the Word, created everything. Okay, let's look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I believe many people have a hard time comprehending God's unconditional love for them. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that's you. You struggle with this performance thing. It was really interesting when we did a survey probably about a year or so ago. In that survey that we took as a church, 95, 98% of you that took that survey knew or, or indicated that Jesus can forgive anyone for anything. But yet one third of the people that took that survey didn't believe that they were forgiven for everything. And so that's when I did this whole series on salvation, talking about what is salvation? How are we saved? How do we know that we're saved? And we talked about that. So if, if you weren't here, Go back and and find that series online and and listen to that. But many people have a hard time comprehending God's unconditional love. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Do you know people that are living in darkness and you talk to them about Jesus and they cannot comprehend it? I think that happens in the world. You know what? Frankly, I think that happens in the church sometimes too. The people get so caught up in religion and jumping through these hoops or they get so caught up in, in the uh, performance. What does Ephesians 2 8 say? We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that anyone should boast. It's not anything that we do other than just receive the free gift of God. And so God shines his light. uh, light of love uh, which is jesus and some people cannot comprehend the love of jesus have you ever known people that you've tried to love and they're like a prickly cactus they can't receive it there are people that maybe due to wounded woundedness or hurts or whatever they have a hard time believing that anybody could love them how tragic To think that the God of this universe loves them with an unconditional love, unmerited favor, grace. So how can God extend grace to me? How can he give me unmerited favor? Doesn't he know the things that I do? Because I rehearse those things day in and day out. I think about all that stuff. And Jesus said, I came and died on the cross to take all that away from you. Don't have to stay there. And there are people that are caught in that cycle in that vortex and they stay there. And Jesus said, I've come to set you free to give you abundant life. First four, John 1:4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The word, Jesus, is the light. To lead us out of darkness. To lead us out of sin. To lead us away from everything that hinders our relationship with him. A cave with no lights is pitch dark. Have you ever gone into those, cave and, and those caves and they turn out all the lights and they say, Put your hand right in front of your face. And you can't see it. It's pitch dark. But one match or one candle or one flashlight. Turned on begins to push back the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome the light, but the light dispels the darkness. And Jesus came that the, the darkness in us would be dispelled. Every one of us need Jesus. I don't care how good you are or how good you think you are. You need Jesus. And there's a whole world out there that needs Jesus. And Jesus said, I came to bring the halogen light to push the darkness away so that we can see him, so that we can come to him, so that we can give our life to him, so that we can be changed. Romans 12 two, be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we come into alignment with God's word, what his word says about us, that we're his prized possession of all of creation, that we're his masterpiece, that he really loves us That he desires to have a relationship with us. It doesn't matter what we tell ourselves. It doesn't matter what our dad said. It doesn't matter what anybody says. What matters is what he says. And he says we are loved. We are greatly loved. John 1.14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. and And we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. Clearly. Clearly. These scriptures are talking about Jesus. And all of those scriptures uh, for word is logos. For God um, and the word logos became flesh and dwelt among us. So when we begin to look at that, we understand that Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word logos, Jesus. And the word was with God. The word logos, Jesus, was with God. And the word logos is God. Jesus let's look at John three sixteen. I know you're familiar with this for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life let's go back to John 1.14. and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory as the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth are you seeing the connection between those two scriptures are you seeing that Jesus is the word so as Satan began to tempt Jesus, what did he do? Jesus gave him the word. You can't trip up the author of the word. You can't trip up the word. He is the word. That would be like you trying to argue with Webster about the dictionary. He probably knows it a little bit better than you. You better check your sources before you go get into an argument with Webster about the meaning of words or words. And I've shared this with you before. Uh, there was somebody that came to him and he said did you know the only word in the english language that is s-u but is pronounced s-h is sugar and Webster said are are you sure about that so the enemy is trying to argue the word of god with the word jesus is the word all right so we see a direct parallel between all these scriptures what is okay Imagine that you have a bicycle wheel and you have the hub. That is the central uh, connecting point for all the spokes that go out to the rim, right? If you take that hub out and you put any weight on that rim, what's going to happen? Those spokes are not connected to anything. The whole thing is going to crumble. And so Jesus is the connecting point. Uh, We see a direct parallel between these scriptures and they all point to Jesus. It's all about him. I like what Tavarius said a couple of weeks ago. We're talking, to, I think we sang Jesus at the center of my life. Jesus at the center. And he said, we talk about Jesus being number one. Okay, many of us talk about that, right? But is is Jesus the center of number two? Is he the center of number three and four? As we go down our list of priorities. That's really good. Jesus needs to be the center of our life. and And you know that it's important that, we have Jesus at the top of everything because, as we've talked about, whatever we have at the top of our life orchestrates the rest of our life. So if we smoke cigarettes and that's a priority in our life, we're going to make sure we get that smoking break. And I've shared stories with you about people that, that uh, have, have addiction to smoking, and they talked about how that organized their whole life. The work, uh, when, when, some, when I would take them some samples to analyze in the lab, they'd be thinking, okay, well, I've got to digest a sample, or I've got to do this, and, and I've got to get to that smoke break. So whatever we have, whether that be money or whatever that is, at the top of our life, our top priority is going to organize everything that we do. So as we have Jesus, the center of our life, he should be organizing everything that we do. Okay, so uh, John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld, we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In all these scriptures we've read so far, this Greek word used for word is logos. Clearly, Jesus is the word. The word Jesus existed in the beginning. The word Jesus was with God. The word Jesus was and still is God. All things came into being, the word. The word brought everything into being. And apart from Jesus, nothing came into being. He created it all. So let me look at, uh, let's look at John 1, 4 again. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus came to give us life. And one of the things the Lord began to speak to me when he began to speak to me about pioneering life, fellowship, one of the phrases that came to me was, Jesus came to give life. You know, it's so important that we understand that Jesus didn't come to bring religion. Jesus didn't come to bring stuff that would keep people from God. He came to bring life. And that's found through, through relationship. It's not found through religion. John 1, 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. How can we help individuals that don't comprehend that God loves them? How can we really help them? we can begin to introduce them to Christ. When we see people that don't have a relationship with Jesus because they don't comprehend, uh, do, do you know people that, that are out there in the world that, that think it's all about religion? I do. I've talked to people. And, and that's such a, uh, a hindrance for people coming to the Lord, not realizing that it's not about religion. It's all about a relationship. Religion is dry. It's legalistic. It's hard. You mess up, and you have to go back and start over. <laughs> That's what it seems like. That's what religion seems like. But a relationship is something different. Sean, come up here for a moment. Imagine that this fine, young, strapping young man is is a cardboard cutout. What kind of relationship could I have with that man? I mean, it would look like Sean. Maybe smell a little better than Sean. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, it would look like Sean, but it's not him. And that's what a lot of people are looking for. They're looking for just this religious duty thing. But Sean and I have a relationship. Ah, it's good to see you, son. You may sit. Thank you. (laughs) But we have a relationship. And that's, that's how I think some people see God. They see God as this far off, cardboard cutout, behind the curtain, casting out lightning bolts. God says, you're missing it. It's not about that. It's about a relationship. So what can we do to help people? Help them go from religion to relationship is by introducing them to Christ, by loving people, by by being an example, by living it, by living what we say we believe. John 1, 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the word is the author and the dispenser of the light that shines in the darkness so the lost can find their way. My first point again, God is doing a new thing. My second point, this means teaching Christ. Without Jesus, there is no illumination of light to bring us from the darkness into his light. Through Jesus, we were all created. Through Jesus, we all have All of our sins forgiven. Say, all my sins are forgiven. All my sins are forgiven. That's good. I like that. Through Jesus, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. As a pastor or leader, our role is to train people, to train up disciples, committed followers of Christ. What's our core scripture found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13? And these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher for what for equipping the saints so that we come into knowledge of god's son jesus and unity in our faith so we mature and so as 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 those offices are given to the church there's a purpose and a a reason that god gave those offices to equip the saints to train up disciples so that they become strong committed followers of christ listen it is an honor and a privilege to be able to lead others it's, it's a big responsibility. And so when the praise and worship team comes up here, we call this the platform. It's not called a stage. A stage is where you entertain. A platform is a place of influence. And so I, I've told the praise and worship team, I've told Tavaris, listen, we need to be prepared spiritually to lead others. We cannot lead others where we have not been. And so as we train up, listen, guys. Are you understanding? If, if you weren't here last week, you need to go back and listen to that sermon because God has given us a huge vision. Are you understanding the magnitude of what God is calling us to do? He's calling us to go and train up other pastors and leaders. Do you know the the privilege and honor and responsibility that goes along with that? Are you ready? Are you praying? Are you saying, God, what is my part? It's a privilege and honor to lead God's people. Those we shepherd are God's sweetest and prized possession. How do you think he's going to respond if we start beating the sheep? Do we love others in that manner? This was a message that I was really preparing to share with these pastors at, at this conference. And I didn't have the opportunity because I thought, what? What? Can I share? What can I give to these pastors to help them? Because when I go to a pastor's conference, I want to receive. I want to know, you know, I want the Spirit of God to speak to me. I want the Spirit of God to challenge me in my walk and and, and everything that I'm doing. And I'm saying, what can I give these pastors to help them? And I'm thinking, give them the passion of Christ. Give them the heart of Christ. Help them to understand. We all need to understand. Listen, you get into ministry sometimes, and there are people that are in ministry that should not be in ministry. There are people that are in ministry that thinks it's a job. It's not a job. It's a calling that God calls people to. And and sometimes you may be called, but you're not sent yet because God is preparing you. So it's important that we're all called to go out and and be ministers, but, but sometimes God will send us Or maybe God will raise us to be a a pastor or a leader. Listen, we're all in full-time ministry. You may not be in vocational ministry, but we're all in ministry. And so we need to understand the importance of that we're we're shepherding God's people, his prized possession. And there are people that are just pastoring churches that are just doing a job. They're like hirelings, man. They don't really care about the sheep. Hey, I get my paycheck if that sheep gets eaten up by a wolf. Well, you know. Not my not my deal. I just want to get my paycheck. It's a calling. And so what if God is calling you to pastor or shepherd others? Do you have the right heart? Do you understand the responsibility and the calling? Do you understand the importance? Do you understand what God is trusting you with? What if what if the Lord is calling you to help train up other pastors and leaders? As we continue to, as as we continue to go through these doors, the Lord is opening. Are you prepared to take care of God's prized possessions? it has got a Hebrews 13, 17 in the NLT. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are what? Accountable. They're accountable to God. Goes on to say, give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. If you shepherd or pastor people the writer of Hebrews is very clear. It's best it's in the best interest of those of following to not make it hard on on their leader, but the responsibility of a of a pastor or spiritual leader is great. And so when I read scriptures like this, it's very sobering. And I understand that one day I'm gonna stand before God and I'm I'm gonna be accountable. So that's why we teach you the word. That's why we teach you the truth. That's why we don't cherry pick. We, we teach the word, all of it. Um, what would you say to God regarding leading those he's given you to lead? You may say, well, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a spiritual leader. Well, you have a family. If you're a man, if you're a husband, if you're a dad, you're leading your family. You're going to be held accountable for that. If you're a ministry team leader... And uh, the the ministry team leaders of Life Fellowship know that we lead by serving. It's servant leadership. And so if you're leading, let me ask you some questions I don't want you to answer, but I I want you to think about these things. Are you leading well? Are you leading strong in love? Do you compromise the teaching of his word? Well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. One of the things that is important at Life Fellowship, it's people first, ministry second. People first, ministry second. So if we've got to take someone out of a role or leadership and the ministry suffers for that person, for the health of that person, then we'll do that because it's people first, ministry second. It's all about people. Well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. You're going to let somebody go to hell or you're going to let somebody go through hell because you don't want to hurt their feelings? Really? You really love them that much? And I I have, there are people in my life, my pastor, uh, the board over this church, those are men that I can trust. I know they love me. And they'll speak into my life, and I'm willing and able. I want them speaking into my life. And the guys that are are the board members, I've seen decades of their life where they've lived. They're not perfect men, but they've lived life of integrity. Their families are, are good families. Their children are trained up. They love God. They serve God. I look at their family. I look at their life. And they're on the board because if something were to ever happen to me, I know that they would take care of Life fellowship because they love me. Consequently, they love the things that I love, the things that are important to me or the things that are important to them. So let's take that up a notch. If we say we love God and he says, my people are important, they're of great value. If we say we love God, then shouldn't we be loving the things that he loves? Shouldn't we be honoring the things that he honors? Are you more concerned about the quantity of people? And again, I was kind of tailoring this to, to pastors, uh, but are you, you know, what I was going to tell them are you more interested in building a church than the kingdom of God? Are you more interested in building your kingdom? Are you more concerned about the number of people? in the church than you are about the quality of the disciples you're making what is your heart what is your priority do you have the passion of christ do you understand what god desires from those that are leading those those pastors and spiritual leaders do you love others enough to tell them the the truth jesus loved us enough to die for us we owe it to them to tell them the truth stop it no you can't do that Listen, I don't like confrontation, but I love you enough to say, no, stop. That's not good for you. And I know pastors, I know people in those positions that will bury their head in the sand because they don't want to deal with it. And I understand that. It's not fun. It's not popular. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. True love will bring correction when others need it and should inspire us to teach others the truth of God's word. Listen, it's all about love It's all about being infused with Jesus in our lives. It's not a game. It's not religion. It's not just go punch your clock on Sunday morning and you're done for the week. It's about a relationship. It's about God transforming our life so that we can change the world. So that the Holy Spirit is working through our lives. God is opening up huge doors for us. I don't want to miss this. Guys, we can't miss this. I want you to understand the gravity and the magnitude of what God is doing. We should be teaching others how to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's really all that matters. If people are important to God, people should be important to us. What value do you place on God's prized possession? How can we gain a greater love for God's prized possession, his people? We've got a couple of points here. One, develop a more intimate relationship with him. Develop a more intimate relationship with him. So being our mission statement is to to develop, maintain a model of personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Everything that we do is to drive us to a more intimate relationship with him. A couple of weeks ago, we had First Friday. That whole service is about getting into that worship zone, connecting with God in, in that deep, intimate way. When we're teaching the the children, our children back there, they're having fun, but there's a purpose for everything that's being done back there is to draw them in. And I'm seeing our children grow in the Lord. Some of our children are teaching their parents. They're teaching their parents things that they don't know because they're being so filled up with the word of God. So develop a more intimate relationship with him. That's how we can have a greater love for God's prized possession and ask God to give you the love for his people. Ask God to give you the love for his people that he has for you and he has for others. And I know I, I tell you that a lot, but we need to be praying that God, help me to love others like you really love them. And like you love me, God, sometimes I'm struggling. Sometimes I'm Full of myself. Sometimes I don't want to let that car on the the freeway on 45. They should have gotten on in line back then. God, help me to love others. Help me to be gracious. Help me to extend grace, unmerited favor, undeserved favor to someone because of what you've done for me. God is doing a new thing. This means teaching Christ. This means loving God and loving others. It's not about playing church. It's about growing in that relationship. When you have that level of love and passion for others that he has for you, your heart will come into to sync with his heart. And that's what he's looking at. Guys, we talk about this a lot, but it's usually a heart issue. Our problems are a heart issue. And we need the heart of God. God loves you. God loves the people. He's called you to lead. Maybe you're not leading a team yet, but there are many of you in this room that are pastors. Christine and I were having a conversation yesterday, and she said, remember that time you were talking to Pastor Don, and, and, he, and we were having this discussion, and he said, yes, Pastor. I'm like, what? Who are you talking to? And we left, we left that meeting, and I said, what was that all about? Did he call me Pastor? She said, yeah. This was years ago. Many of you, God is calling you. He's not sent you yet. That's an important part. You have to wait for God to send you. But God is preparing your heart. God has given us a huge vision to go and impact nations. It's going to take everyone in this building and a lot of people more to do that, to accomplish what God has given us to do. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you standing with me saying, here am I, Lord, send me? I'll go. I don't know. I don't know where you want me to go. I don't know what you want me to do, but I will avail myself to you to do whatever you ask me to do. God loves you. God loves the people that he's called you to lead. God loves the people in our communities that we judge. Oh, she's a prostitute. He's a drug addict. He's a homeless guy. He he smells, he stinks. God loves those people. Do we? Are we reaching out to those people? If people are important to God, and if we say God is important to us, then loving others will be a priority for us because God is all about people. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and God is tugging on your heart. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time, but you've walked away. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with him. There's no shame in that. Listen, please don't walk out today without fixing that. If that's you, if God's speaking to your heart, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. I want to embarrass you. But listen, this is too important to just gloss over and walk away from. Anybody here this morning? God loves you. You know, God has a great plan for you, but more important than that, more important than the ministry or any of that, God has a purpose and plan for you that's good and and pleasing and and great. But more important than that, he desires to be in relationship with you, to have an authentic, honest relationship with him. So this morning, the team is going to lead us in, in a time of worship. And I want every one of us just to take a couple of minutes and say, God, speak to me today. Is there anything in my heart that's displeasing to you? Is there there some woundedness and hurts in me that needs to be healed? Is, Is there something you need to do in my life? And just allow God to pour into you. And if you're here this morning and Want me to pray with you? Come up during this time and I'll pray with you. Let's let's take a couple of minutes and say, God, would you infuse me with a greater measure of your Holy Spirit? Would you give me a greater, deeper, more intimate relationship with you? Would you give me the desire for that? And then would you do that in my heart?
1: Nothing worth more That will ever come close Nothing can compare You're our living hope Your presence, Lord I've tasted and it's the love, but my heart becomes free and my shape there's nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare your eye living
0: You know, that's that's the target, guys, right there. That's as Michael Constantine says, oops, that is, oops, dead is that's it, oops, dead is that's it, guys. That's the target. That's what we're shooting at, that's what we're going, what we're going for. And as you go out this week, sing the song in your spirit. Remember, say, oops, there it is. It's the Holy Spirit. It's all about Jesus. Come on, guys. This is good stuff. As you go out from this place this week, determine that you are going to seek him with everything within you. If you need God, desperate situations call for desperate desperate measures. If you need God, you're going to jump, you're going to shout, you're going to do whatever you need to get that in you. So go out and give him praise. Worship him. Invite him into your life and and say, God, take me to another level, another level in you. And then share that hope and that love with those whom you come in contact with. Will you do that? Hey, listen, God has great plans for you. God has great plans for Life Fellowship Ministries International. We all need to pull together. We've got a lot of work to do, so let's get serious about it. Get with it. As that supervisor used to say, that I I work with. Let's get hot. Let's get with it. All right. God and live it. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.